What's going on, everyone? Alex Jeteris here with another Knicks episode for the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. We got another phenomenal guest on the pod today. We got CP, the franchise from Knicks Fan TV with us today. And we're just going to discuss some Knicks, just Knicks, basic Knicks topics. We're going to see, just try to get an outlook of what it's going to look like moving forward. And John, what do we got for etc. today? What's up, Alex? For etc. today, since we have CP on, we're going to talk to him about uh, his interviews, um, especially this past offseason. He's been really busy. Um, so we'll uh, talk to him about uh, what he liked about those. And since we're always talking about the Knicks, we're going to try to like pivot a little bit and talk about uh, what teams were excited to watch an NBA League Pass this year because, you know, we, we love the NBA as much as we love the Knicks. All right. That, that works. That works. Sounds good. All right, Bryce, let's kick this thing off. Is here again with me as always is my co-host, my buddy, my pal, the man with a plan, the dude who's trying to get the New York Knicks back on track, John Malika. What's going on, bro? Oh man, what's up, Alex? Uh, I am I am excited to get the Knicks on track. I can't believe that it's two weeks away, less than two weeks away. Um, but I'm, everything's good with me. How was your Thanksgiving? How was your uh, your extended holiday, man? It was good, man. Ate a lot. Watched a lot of football. Um, got into interesting conversations as you're not supposed to through Thanksgiving. But hey, that's what happens when you have people with interesting different ideas. <laughs> Just to put it simple. But John, how was your Thanksgiving, bro? Was it good? It was good, man. It was good. And um, I was definitely looking forward um, to uh, to Sunday, as weird as that sounds, at the end of a holiday. Just because of uh, the guests we have on today. I know, right? So we got a phenomenal Guest with us today, we got CP from Knicks Fan TV. CP, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, fellas. Happy Sunday. Happy to be here. Had, had a great Thanksgiving myself. Watched a lot of football. My Giants won today. So, you know, I'm, I'm on a high right now. Still still carrying. There you go. Where, where are the Giants right now? Are they number one in the East right now? Number or? one in the East. The beast of the East at 4-7. <laughs> oh, my seven. God. Put some respect <laughs> on our name. <laughs> oh, man. What a season. But listen, it's been interesting, man. It's been interesting to see them, you know, taking steps uh, each game. The defense is certainly coming together. Offense is, is very much a work in progress, but they seem to be buying in with Coach Judge. They're playing hard for him. They're playing disciplined football, and they're just letting the chips fall where they may. That is all counter to what we are experiencing for the New York Jets. <laughs> we have no discipline. <laughs> no genius coaching from Adam Gase, and we are in nowhere contention for playoffs. But we won't have to talk about that horrendous game today. Yeah. But congratulations on the Giants for doing doing well. I'm glad that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving too. That you got to enjoy it with your family. But pray for Daniel always, Jones. I'll pray for Daniel Jones. <laughs> it looks like a hamstring felled him. Oh, so man. Uh, hopefully he'll be back next week. Yeah. Hey. You don't want Cole McCoy back there. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Cole McCoy's a backup? Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was like the battle of like the trash bag QBs at the second half of this Bengals game, man. Because Daniel Jones goes down in like the late third. So Colt McCoy goes in and then he's going up against the Bengals uh, QB. I think his name is Brandon Allen. And it was just like, who was going to blink first? And, uh, you know, McCoy, he, he ended up making some, some plays that he needed to in the fourth to kind of keep the clock rolling. But, 
if that's what we're looking forward to going forward, it's going to be pretty ugly. Yikes. Well, hopefully you get Daniel Jones back. We need at least one team from New York to make this uh... – <laughs> make the city uh, respectful in uh, in football, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Bills oh, are looking man. at you funny, Alex. But I'll let you go on, man. I don't, I don't know. What, I don't know what team you're talking about. That's Western New York. That's a whole other area. I don't even, uh, you know. <laughs> but yo, let's move on to uh, let's move on to uh, some Knicks. Some big news that happened this uh, this past weekend. We had uh, the New York Knicks uh, sign Michael Kidd Gilchrist to an Exhibit Ten contract. Um, Thoughts on that? I know it's not official that he's on the team. It's just for camp tryouts. But what do we all think of uh, Michael Gilchrist in this uh, training camp? I'll start with you, CP. Yeah, you know, I it wasn't surprising at all. You know, it, it was a move that I thought was was going to uh, happen at the end of kind of the, the hysteria of free agency. You know, once things kind of calm down, we know the Kentucky connection is there. We know the CAA connection is there. I felt like going even into the draft and free agency, wing defense, uh, depth at the wing was something that we we needed to address in a dire way. Now, they signed him to an Exhibit 10 contract. He may not make the team, but I could see him still making the team. And, and if they do, they'll need to make um, one or two roster cuts to make it happen. But again, I think from a veteran standpoint, uh, from a fact that we need depth at the wing, when you look at the division, you have Kevin Durant staring at you. You have Ben Simmons. You have Pascal Siakam with the Raptors. You have Tatum, Brown. You know, these guys are going to give the Knicks fits regardless of who they have. But, you know, it, it's it's a lot of strain on the guys that are there now, whether it's R.J. Barrett, whether it's, you know, um, Reggie Bullock. You know, these guys aren't outstanding defenders. They're, they're pretty average. They're, they're not negative by any stretch. But I mm-hmm. think a guy like a kid Gilchrist, if he makes the team, um, you could see him getting some burn maybe in, in crunch time to kind of help get a stop. Yeah, totally. I could definitely see that. I would just wonder who are the Knicks going to move to make that that slot for him, right? It's either going to be via trade or we got to waive some people to do so. Do you think it'd be more – do you think there's a trade coming up? Do you think it's going to be waiving players? I, I think there's a, probably another move out there for the Knicks. I don't know if – we don't have necessarily the point guard that we're going to – I would like to start, I would say. I know we have like Pey- we got Peyton, we got uh, Austin Rivers, we got what is it? We got Emmanuel Quickly as a rookie. I know he's pro- he considers himself a point guard. I don't know what the team considers himself yet. We had that Berman piece where he talks about wanting to be a point guard. Um we have a few and we also have Frank Nilakina, you know, and Dennis Smith Jr. So I see Peyton as the de facto starter just because he's been doing this the longest and even though his play could be annoying for some fans to watch, especially when he's playing buddy bu- buddy ball with Julius Randle. I get that it's annoying, but do you think that we're going to stick with these guys moving forward, or do you think that we're going to try to make a move for another point guard that's not on this team? Yeah, I, I think they're, con- they're going to continue to canvas the league to see who shakes loose. Um, training camp starts on Tuesday. You could see some veterans, you know, shaking out of there by the end of the week or going, you know, at the end of the preseason. Um, so I think they're going to continue to stay flexible. They have 20 spots filled right now going into camp. I think between, you know, Jacob Evans, Amari Spellman, even Iggy, Ignis Brasdakis, I, I think those three guys could be battling for the final one or two spots on this roster. And if they're trying to get MKG and MGK, Kid Gilchrist, MKG uh, yeah, yeah. on the yeah. roster... Uh, you know, those those three guys could be battling for, for one or two spots. For sure. Yeah, I, I, 
Go ahead, Alex. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say the other Exhibit 10 that we have is Miles Powell, too. So he, that's another point guard that we may want to bring on the team as well. So I don't, you know, I know we if we do want to keep Michael Kidd-Gilchrist on the team, that we'd have to make spot for him as well. Do you think there's another, do you think we're losing one of the guards, too? Because we are we did this last year. I know everyone made fun of us with power forwards last year, but mm-hmm. we also had too many guards as well, right? So do you think you all, do we have anyone moving for Miles Powell as well, or is this just yeah. like a simple tryout and we'll ship him down to G League? Well, well, the good thing about Powell, man, he's an absolute bucket getter. And I'm, I'm just glad that they're, they're going to take a risk on this guy and, and try to mm-hmm. develop him because, you know, this guy's an absolute bucket. And if he can stick around and develop with his team, he, he'd be sensational at MSG. Uh, all that being said, I think he's he's got a huge hill to climb uh, going into a shortened training camp, shortened preseason um, to justify them cutting one of their guaranteed slots and giving him – uh, a full-time roster spot. I, I think they're going to have a hard time doing that. He's going to have to show a lot during those preseason games, you know, those garbage time minutes that, and in practice, that he deserves a slot over one of those guys that are already there. As you said, Peyton is there. I, I don't see them make moving on from him, uh, being that he's the only reliable option that they have at the point and, and a veteran voice as well. You still have Frank, you still have DSJ, uh, Quickly's a drafted player, so he'll be here. So I think Powell will get that, uh, you know, be sent to the G League, and hopefully they'll find a way to get him in. The the one guy I question was Pinson. I don't see what the what the urgency was to give Pinson a two way contract. He hasn't shown anything since he's been in the league, and I thought they should have given the, the two way to Powell instead of the Exhibit Ten. Give Pinson the Exhibit Ten, if anything. You know, I'm not sure from a from my eligibility standpoint if he's even eligible for that to go to the g league you know off of the exhibit 10 but i just thought his two-way was a waste of time yo yeah, alex I you gonna let him talk about your boy from westchester like that <laughs> Theo Pinson. <laughs> Theo Pin- look i guess we all need that one guy who could be a cheerleader on the team that's on the books right we can't have all the new york uh knicks uh dancers out there uh taking up all the flash right <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's interesting, like that that Miles Powell and MKG, not Machine Gun Kelly, but <laughs> MKG. Yeah, that's why I kept uh, tongue twisting. <laughs> uh, oh my god! But um, it's interesting. They're both on Exhibit Ten, right? So I agree with you, CP. Miles Powell is definitely on the the Iggy train. Like he he's on the the Iggy last year. Like he's on. You know, he'll be hanging out in the G League if we need him. Um, he'll be called up for the end of the bench just to hang out. But, you know, Tibbs keeps a, a pretty tight rotation in general, which we'll get into. But I don't, you, do you really you – really, I'm interested that you really take stock into the MKG Exhibit 10, like will he make the roster or not. It seems to me like they're just trying to like, hey, you're definitely going to come here. Like we're going to hold on to you. Obviously, we got you. Kentucky CAA, you're a veteran, that whole thing. And then we have all these like small guys, like you just said, like Spellman and – Theo, like all these guys we have to think about. So like, we'll think about them. Like we'll hold on to you, but obviously like you're going to fit in. And I don't know. I, I, it was just interesting that they're both on exhibit 10. Um, so uh, you really think MKG does like might not make the roster? No, I think he could. I, I think he could oh, yeah, yeah. Um, off the exhibit 10. You know, I, I think again, I think they did him a favor by offering that deal, but I also <laughs> feel like he's a guy that, you know, can help them from a practice standpoint. He can help them in games as well. And from a defensive standpoint and, and depth at the wing, you know, you look at Spellman, you look at uh, Evans, you know, young players for sure. But I think Tibbs is going to lean on those veterans to kind of get them through 
uh, what is a condensed and rushed season. And uh, another thing is kind of like the elephant in the room is, is Randall. You know, having Randall here um, kind of puts a twist on things in that you may not need a, uh, Spellman as another four, yeah. right? Because you want to find either Randall or, or Obi's going to be a backup four. You might want to slide in Kevin Knox at the four at times. So you're looking at Evans, uh, Spellman, maybe even Iggy. You know, those guys, you may see Iggy and, and Knox as kind of um, redundant pieces. So maybe you bring in an MKG or a Kid Gilchrist as a defensive specialist when you need to uh, because you already have offense on the wing. Yeah, I, I especially saw you go off uh, on Iggy the other day uh, about whether or not he's going to make the roster, which to me is almost unfair, right? The 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 kid was murdering in Michigan, mm-hmm. right? And then he came here and he, he did everything we asked him to do. Our team was terrible. We still didn't let him get any burn. He was killing it, you know, back in uh, Alex's hood in Westchester. He like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, just like he was dropping buckets. You know what I mean? Like. Uh, and and now he might not make the roster with the, you know I get that it's a new regime and they didn't um, technically draft him, but you know Perry's still there. I don't know. Do yeah. You you really you really don't think that uh, Iggy is good enough, at least defensively, to to crack Tibbs's lineup because that's really that's what it is. Obviously he can score. It's really all about defense. So it's all about defense, and you know none of this is intel that I'm getting. This is just me. Um, kind of just looking at who the coach is, what he preaches, and having a guy like a kid Gilchrist, I think, can go out there and execute a lot better at the wing than than a lot of these guys, you know, from a defensive standpoint. Um, Iggy wasn't drafted by Leon Rose. He was drafted by Scott Perry. So, again, how, do, how does he feel? You know, how does Rose feel? How does Tibbs feel about him? And um, how do they feel like they want to balance the roster from an offense and defense standpoint? As I said, if you already have Kevin Knox on the team, who's going to struggle to get minutes as it is with Randall, with Toppin, with Bullock, you know, it's a crowded front court. So again, I, I look at Iggy as, you know, the bottom of the food chain, so to speak, along with Evans and Spellman. And I feel like those guys could be jockeying for position as far as those one or two roster, spot, roster spots are concerned. Yeah, I can, I can see that just because Tibbs has to find out who's going to be able to play what he, the style or the brand of basketball that he wants, right? We know it's going to be defense first. That's what Tibbs is all about. But we have a lot of guys who play defense as it is already. We need guys who are also offensively gifted. And I think the thing that Iggy's got going for him is that he is offensively gifted. His defense is not the best. It's it's decent. Um, but he's strong and crafty enough that I think he may be able to carve out something on the on the team. I don't know about uh, Spellman. Uh, per se, to sit, to know that he would give Iggy a fair competition or whatnot. But I think from what we have, because we already have Frank, who's defensive specialist, right? We're going to have Michael K. Gilchrist, if he makes a team, as another defensive specialist. Mitch is defense-oriented as it is right now. Um, no hey, man, field goal, field goal percentage uh, champion over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Put some respect on his name for the field goal. I mean, and he did that with no spacing too. So I want to see what he does with spacing if we're bringing that up. Um, yeah. yeah, so I want to see – I just want to see what we're going to do offensively because CP, as you always say, this is a New York uh, – the New York bricks, uh, New York City <laughs> bricks, right? So uh, we don't need any more of that. But yeah, let's go in, But well, let's go into another topic because – we, I want to know what we gonna, what's our starting five, right? We drafted Obi. I think Obi's going to be part of that starting lineup. 
I sent something out on Twitter which had everyone just up in arms where I had Obi at uh, the small forward. <laughs> and, and I didn't just want to put that out there. I do not agree with that. Yeah. Face, Nick's on Facebook is an interesting thing. It is way different than Twitter. And I saw that. I was like, I did not see this on Twitter. I had to, I just had to get some rapid reactions. And the lineup they had was uh, Austin Rivers, R.J. Barrett. Uh, so Austin Rivers at the point guard, R.J. Barrett at the shooting guard. You had Obi at small forward. You had Randall at power forward. And you had Mitch at center. I do not want to see that lineup because be crazy. That be, because Austin Rivers Literally. as good as, as as okay as Austin Rivers is at shooting, it's not on a consistent basis where he's going to create four spacing. And Obi will then just be the de facto hopeful like offensive product. So CP, I'll start off with you. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the starting five that we're going to see opening night from the New York Knicks? Um, what I think that we'll see is uh, I think you'll see Peyton at the one. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. that the most reliable point guard option that you have for right now. Uh, I think that'll also give Tibbs time to see where DSJ is, where Frank is, uh, where Quickly is. And, uh, and then also, you know, at the same time, if they give RJ a bit more of a role in the offense as a primary floor general and how they kind of space the lineup around him. But I think going into it, I think Peyton will be the one. I think RJ will be the two. I think they'll go with either Bullock or Burks at the three. I think probably Bullock. Um, and I think they'll, they'll go with Randall at the four until they figure out what to do with him. And I think ultimately, if he's on the team for the full year, they'll work in some sort of transition where they ultimately get it to Obi. But I think if Randall's on the team right now, they're going to look to showcase him and try to trade him by the deadline. If a team that needs depth at the four is looking for someone, then you you want to be able to show them that Julius Randall can produce. And I, I don't think that's uh, with him coming off the bench. So I think it's going to be a similar five that you saw last year. I think it's going to be Peyton, RJ, either Bullock or Burks. I, I'd say I'll go Bullock for right now, Randall and Mitch. Um, ideally what I'd like to see them do is I'd like to see them rip the bandaid off and go right with DSJ from jump, um, Mm. see where he is, see what you have in him. He's shown that, uh, with extended minutes, it's when he gets into the, to a rhythm and gets most comfortable and gets his confidence. So I think go in right with him, see where he is, see where he is from a durability standpoint. I think the pick and roll with OB and DSJ can be box office Mitch as well. Um, DSA, the best athlete of your point guards that you have right now that can get into the paint. Um, not the greatest finisher, but can still finish better than Peyton can and is much more aggressive uh, in driving to the hole than, than Frank as well. So I think he can really force the issue if he's that guy. And I think they should give him an opportunity to see where he is. So I would go with DSA at the one, uh, RJ at the two. I would go with Burks at the three. Hmm. He's a guy opposite RJ on the wing that um, can get his own shot off if he needs to. He's also a guy that draws a lot of fouls. Um, his foul drawing rate was pretty high in the league. Shot 60% from the corner three when he was with Philadelphia for that half of the season last year. So he's a guy that uh, helps in those areas that Tibbs is looking for. And like I say, a guy that late in the shot clock, if you need him to give you a bailout play or shot creation, he can give it to you better than Bullock can. So I would go DSJ, RJ, Bullock at the three. I would love to see Obi start at the four and then go Mitch at the five. That's my ideal five. But uh, the first group was was my prediction. Okay. All right, John. Uh, before, well, I guess actually before I go get to you, John, what, why? <laughs> I guess I could see Randall getting that opportunity with uh, starting just to get his trade value up. But couldn't you also do that with him coming off the bench and just owning as like a six man too? Do you, or is that? 
Like what, why couldn't he just do that instead? Because I, me, I think that Obi has to get that starting spot because he is the guy that people want to see. He's, he's, he's a better scorer, honestly. And if we're going to have, if we're going to need four spacing, you know, I have, we haven't seen how his talent translates yet into the NBA, but I would think that they would want him first and maybe even separate that Alfred Payton and Randall buddy ball for a little bit just to, to get something else going. Because if you're going to have, you know, just Bullock out there as the only for, true four spacer, like, uh, I mean, this is also going off of not knowing what RJ has done, really seeing how that uh, practice shot is translated. Uh, wouldn't that just create like another like clog? So wouldn't you want Obi to start and just give Randall even more space with the second unit and just demolish second units? Cause he can easily demolish second units, especially, um, well, I know we could, wouldn't have to do a small ball five because we have Nerlens Noel on the team, but don't you think that he could go in that, could we go in that direction as well? Oh yeah. No, I can, I can definitely see that. And and you're right. Um, ideally I would love to see Randall coming off the bench because he could just eat and, and do his own thing against second units. And at the same time, you could space that out with um, Frank rivers, you know, you could go Knox, you could go Burks. You can, you could space that out with a lot of three point shooters on that second unit, maybe with Randall at the small ball five or at the four with Noel at the five kind of giving you that defensive presence uh, that Mitch could give you on the starting line. So you could, I could see that as well. I just don't know, like, what will the impact have on him coming off the bench? You know, how will that impact his confidence and how he plays? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky situation that they find themselves in. I just feel that it's easier. I think it's easier for Obi to stay humble, stay hungry, and earn it, hmm. quote unquote, earn it. And then have Randall just be in there, your best offensive option anyway, I think right now, proven. And that, you know, you can see if you can showcase him and trade him by the deadline. That That's just my take. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, exa- exactly. Because you want to tell Austin Rivers and or Julius Randall to come off the bench because Alec Burks is starting or Obi Toppin is starting. Like, that. that's just not going to fly when we're down 17 points in the second quarter. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's just not going to work. Like, we also have to think about also, t- like, Tibbs standing there. So, I, 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 don't, I don't even know if Mitch is going to start, if I'm being honest with you. I, I Everyone is, like, throwing Mitch into the starting lineup. I, I feel like Nerlens is going to be there, like, just starting there. I, I could even see a <laughs> Nerlens and Randall and then... Some sort of weird lineup with like DSJ, Austin Rivers, and RJ. You know what I mean? Like just sort of like that concoction where because you need defense, right? Like that's my problem with like everybody's lineup that everybody's throwing out there. Whether it's like the Facebook one, you know, or you know it's CPs like what 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 you want, or you know your projected lineup. Like all of those just have no defense in there. You know what I mean? Like what is what are we gonna like? I, I love DSJ. I really do think he's. Um, ceiling d rose like and and it's like possible for him to get there like i've watched enough nc state to see that like it's possible for him to actually do that if he has a squad around him but is he is him and is him and rj going to be able to like guard anybody (laughs) like like literally anybody you know what i mean and then like once they go around them now you have like ob top in there and julius randall like what are we talking about we're gonna the other teams are gonna have 45 before the first time out in the first quarter (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like that's what that's that's the that's the that's the fantasy land that like really like bothers me and i and i hope like 
that's why I hope that we're not ready because my question to you guys and, and what this whole thing really centers around is who's going to be our quarterback? Who's going to be our point guard? And like we have Alfred Payton on the one year deal, like who's Scott Perry's, who's Scott Perry's boy and you know, who's Randall's boy, but he doesn't really like get the team going. We have Frank who I love Frank, but he's, uh, he's, he, he, he takes the energy out of the of the room. He right, he takes the energy out, which is nice, right? Which is nice off the bench. If the other team is rallying, you call a timeout. You get Frank in there. He's gonna slow everything down. Like watching him, like sl- time slows down, right? Like everything <laughs> slows down when you're watching Frank. So like he's perfect for that. But like DSJ is a nice microwave. Like get him in there in the beginning. Like so, I I agree with you there. Like throw DSJ in there. So I just want to ask you, like, who you think is going to be, like, the actual point guard? Like, going to play defense and, like, facilitate, like, drive in and facilitate. Because that's what we need, man. Like, without that, yeah. without that, we're not getting – forget 22 and a half wins, which Vegas has us at. We're not, we're not going to get 10 wins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, listen, I don't, I don't think the point guard of the future is on this team. I think the point guard for now is just going to be Alfred Payton. Like I said, I, I think he's, he's the best of the worst right now the most reliable option, most reliable hand. Um, I, I think he had like a 52% assist rate, you know, 11th in the league. So he, he could still serve some good there. Again, like Alex said, you got to see how they they balance the whole um, Randall kind of being his favorite target and how they kind of space things, how they, you know, put some optical lineups out there. But when you talk about, you know, pick and roll with Mitch, throwing the Gotham lobs to Mitch to Obi, I think Alfred right now is your steady hand. And you're not going to have a perfect option at the one right now. It's not a perfect team, right? It's still a work in progress. So I think what they try to accomplish this offseason was just try to do the ticky-tack moves, building for the future, at the same time trying to put a more complimentary roster out there that can kind of help these young guys improve. Um, but I think their eyes are towards the future. You know, everyone's saying how this 2021 draft is, uh, you know, kind of might, might be the deepest in 10 years or, or a number of years. So I, I think Leon and Wes probably know that better than anybody, you know, having scouted these kids uh, over the course of the year. So I, I think they, they have their eyes set on, on the on the long game. So for right now, I think they're just going to try to tread water. And I think Peyton probably gives them the best option as a veteran point guard right now. CP, please don't make me get into Kate Cunningham because he's so nasty, and I really don't want to start thinking about <laughs> Kate Cunningham. Nice, man, but I know. Yeah. Please don't do this to me from yeah, now. Kate is nice, <laughs> but you see Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green. You got BJ Boston. I mean, BJ Boston. You could yeah. imagine any one of these kids right now in the Knicks, and and uh, we'd certainly be a major improvement. So let me throw. Let me throw. Let me throw a point guard name at you, who's still a free agent and really doesn't really get the waves. How about IT, man? Isaiah Thomas. He's a point guard. He can facilitate. You know what I mean? And 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 maybe he could actually run a pick and roll, right? Do, do, do you see him getting burned with this team? I, I, he could, but it's I don't know, man. I, I'm not I'm not really a fan of the smaller point guards. You know, um, Van Fleet. Yeah, I, w- I was ready. Uh, you know, I would have uh, been willing to accept him because he can play defense as well. And uh, you know, off the ball, I think he could help us tremendously. IT, I think. After that Boston Cinderella run, yeah, he had the hip injury and he and he dealt with some adversity. But I think his days are done, man. I think people are still trying to um, see if he can, you know, reclaim that magic. But I think his days are done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, pursue him that hard for, for, if I were the Knicks. 
I, I second that. I do not want Isaiah Thomas on this team. And if you want to talk about a defensive liability, that is a defensive liability to begin with. Even right? when he was healthy. Right? Even when he was healthy. And that's like that. Like if we want Tibbs to like, if we're thinking defense for Tibbs and we're already going to have, you know, lack thereof, maybe in the starting lineup, why even make it worse with, probably like some of the worst help defense. Like you're asking a lot out of Mitch or Nerlens Noel at that point. Mm-hmm. And even watching IT, like, cause I'm out here and I got to see a lot of him more than I necessarily wanted to. Uh, like the whole offense was just catered around him. And then you have to cater to Isaiah Thomas for that, that his game to really work, you know, prolific score. Like he was, it was, was top five, top four of like MVP voting that year. Yeah. But he had a great you, season. Great year. Yeah. But that's also a testament to like Brad Stevens and being able to work around him and getting him to really shine and like what he can do. But I think the point guard situation, I, I agree with CP. I, we don't have it on this team. Like it's this team's still a work in progress. Like this is what truly rebuilding is. Like we're trying to figure out the pieces. Like we just added another, we just added, you know, maybe our power forward of the future with Obi Toppin. Who knows? Maybe Emmanuel quickly comes out and then surprises everybody because once again, he's like, I think uh, New York Post had him. Uh, did an interview with him, uh, question and answer. And, uh, you know, he talks about himself as a point guard. And if he can develop into a point guard, maybe he's that guy. But as of right now, I, I agree with you. I do not see it. But, John, you didn't answer my question then. Who do you see as the starting five on this team? Okay, so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of rolling with CP. So if, if who I think is going, Tibbs is going to put on the floor, I think it's going to be Mitch, Randall, Obi, RJ, DSJ. And then he's going to see that for like four and a half minutes. And he's going to be like, no way. Yeah. Like, this is not going to work out. And then he's going to start. And then he's going to start like doing his rotations. And he's going to be super uncomfortable. And like, that's a point that I I really want to like harp in. Like, if you watch Chibs basketball, he plays eight guys. And like, that's it. And, like, the ninth guy is, like, an emergency, like, maybe four or five minutes in the game. But, like, at most, he's playing eight. So, yeah, we have, like, 25 guys on the roster, and we could, like, sit here and debate Theo Pinson, you know, all day long. But at the at the end of the day, like, yeah, only eight guys – yeah, like, only eight guys are going to play. So, like, that's the thing. If we're rotating already four point guards and we have eight small forwards, like, that's it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, no one else has minutes. So, um I agree with you guys. I, I I don't think the point guard is on the team, but like, I, so I'm like constantly like trying to like scounder like the the league as if I'm like a GM trying to find a point guard. So like, do you do you think th- I know that you said that Randall is going to be here until probably the deadline, which is cool, right? I'm cool with the fact that the Knicks are CAA Kentucky and we're going to take care of Randall. Like I'm just, I'm like, that's like a burden lifted off my Knicks shoulder. Right. Cause it's always like, Oh man, like please don't ruin this. Like the relationship with this player. Cause he's going to tell his friends and no one's ever going to come to the Knicks again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we don't have to, we don't have to, we don't have to like worry about that stuff. So like, I'm glad that Randall is going to be taken care of. So do you think like he's, I remember like early, early off season, you mentioned Randall for Conley. Like, do you think that's still a possibility out there? I haven't heard um, since then. You know, I'm sure they were interested in Conley. The interest was definitely there. Uh, but it takes two sides to tango. And and you saw the Jazz uh, on the new ownership. They're trying to retool. Looks like they're trying to run it back with the same team. So I think if the Conley trade was going to be made, I think it would have been made already. But you never know. Stranger things can happen. 
Um, I think they'll continue to field offers for Julius, but I don't think they'll just give him away for, for nothing. You know, I don't think they'll give him away for nothing. And um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how it goes. You know, we'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. But as you said, you know, with the rotations, I think, I think he'll go given the short time frame for everything. And the fact that these kids haven't had much organized play in almost, you know, 10 months, nine, 10 months. I think, I think they will go with a longer rotation until he gets used to who's who and what they can do and what roles they can fill. And then probably by the second half of the year, probably cut it down and, and you know, get some real chemistry there. Are we going to say, let's fit- expect some L's. So we're going to see a Fisdale experimentation uh, again, like we saw for oh, the yeah. first two years. Yeah, I think okay. so. I, I think so. You know, Tabes is new. All these guys are new for him. Um, it's going to take some time. It's going to take a lot of time, some new faces. Um, so I, I got to imagine that he's going to be tinkering with those lineups for, for quite some time until he figures out what's what. Every coach has done it, bro. From Fisdale to Fisher, the Hornacek, you name it. Um, it, it's hard to figure out what you have here when, when it's a lot of guys, middle of the road guys, you know, and, and very few can separate themselves from the pack. So you, you're always going to have the tinkering of the lineups to figure out, you know, who you can win with consistently. For sure. No, I totally agree with that. And with, and with the tinkering of the lineups, I guess, with what we've got, uh, which leads you to my next question, how do we just feel about the free agent signings and the trade so far? Like, are you happy with Obi top and Emmanuel quickly? I know you at the top of the key, you said that you liked that we got Miles Powell because it's just a, a instant bucket. Yeah. How do you feel about the free agent moves? Are you on that side? Because there's, there's part of the fans that are just like, why didn't we do anything big? Why didn't we get a Westbrook? Uh, yeah. God forbid a John Wall name has been thrown out there, which I'm just terrified if that ever happens. Um, how, how do you feel about it so far? I'm, o- I'm okay, man. You know, I'm okay. Obviously, you're not happy with the fact that this could be one of the worst rosters they field in, in team history, and it's going to be in the basement again. But I feel like they came in with a plan, and they went in and said, yeah, we're, we're interested in certain guys. We're interested in Van Fleet. We're interested in Haywood. Um, but, um, well, number one, didn't seem like Van Fleet was very much interested in coming here. And with Hayward, mm-hmm. it seemed like there was only a certain price that they were willing to go or a certain amount of years that they were willing to go to entertain bringing Hayward here. And I love it. You know, he's not a guy that I would overpay under any circumstance to have him come here because I don't see him as a game changer for this team. So they were very limited options. We know AD wasn't a realistic scenario. Um, we figured Dragic wasn't a realistic scenario. So, you know, there, there was very few um, options that were really going to come in and make a big difference on this team. So I, I felt like, again, they want to keep it lean keep the cap flexible. They uh, did away with the number 33 pick in the draft to kind of keep the, the roster nimble in case they needed to trade in in exchange mm-hmm. for cap space. So I understood that rationale. And like I said, I feel like they're playing a long game, which is draft uh, and next year's free agency. And when you look at, again, when you look at this, this draft crop that these guys are, are you know, touting from these first few games in, these guys know that, you know, this is where they want to play. We got to be back in the lottery and, and at the top and, and trying to get one of these game changes. This draft looks like you could have a game changer in this thing. And this is where we need to play, you know, going to get Westbrook and maybe getting Gordon Hayward on, on a, on a four year, $120 million deal. Yeah. You might get the AC, but big deal. 
you know, big, big, I don't even think we would. I don't even think we would. Right. That's, that's, not even, that's not even guaranteed. I, I think with, with a Westbrook Hayward ticket, I, OB, I think they, they probably would have. I think they probably would have. But at the end of the day, you know, where's it all going? You know, what are we going to say? Okay, we competed. We won. Okay, great. We won championships, man. You know, and again, it's there's no, there's no surefire way to build a team. But I think history has shown that a lot of the winners come at the top of the draft. And these, these are your superstars. And this is where we need to try to get. And wishing for them in free agency is, is not a realistic game to play. Um, some teams can get them and some teams don't. I want to play in the draft, play in the draft first and then go and, and stockpile the free agents and, and try to make a push. But right now let's play for 2021 and, and I'm fine with the way that they went about this free agency with their goals towards them. For sure. I mean, look, I mean, I, I find it, I'm thankful that Gordon uh, Hayward snubbed us according to the big New time. York Post. Yeah. Yeah. Big time snub us. Uh, I, I like that, that word. Because we were supposed to throw him 120 million over four years, mm-hmm. um, I can't believe they wrote that. Uh, but I, I just I agree with you, CP. Like we gotta look, we gotta look for the, we gotta look forward. And I I think what may be getting under fans' nerves is that all right, we've tried this rebuild on a new regime. We tried it with Mills and Perry, and we saw that first year under Fisdale, we knew it was an outward tank. Even Cantor said it on Bill Simmons' podcast. He didn't verbally say it, but he gave the the cue saying it was a tank. And then the second year, we saw that we tried to do a win now ish type of crazy move because we didn't go KD and we didn't get KD, Kyrie, or whoever was supposed to join KD if you came here. Do you like what should why should we have confidence moving forward that this is like the right time and the right path? I think I feel I feel that this organ I feel that this uh, front office is different than years past but what do you think gives you that confidence not only for us but for fans moving forward that we should actually trust them because they have the right outlook for this team well i I still think it's kind of a similar plan that uh that occurred on the mills in that yes they didn't get their main targets last year nor this year and they were trying to keep the cap flexible um, for for future spending and on worthwhile targets, you know the difference I think is that under the Mills regime last year they didn't make these in the margin moves that Brock Arlen and Leon Rose are making for the future. You know that could benefit them down the road if they have to package up some assets and it's not going to tax the main roster. Uh, Mills didn't do that so much. They used all the cap on free agents and they didn't get the right ones. You know they they didn't get the right complementary pieces, so it was a mess. And then I think also with Mills, you know, yes, he didn't get Katie and Kyrie, but he took the ultimate gamble and sacrificed and Porzingis and didn't even have a promise that these guys were coming. And I think that's what cost him his job ultimately, you know, so his business dealings were just not good, but I, I still think they did have a vision in that if they weren't going to get those guys um, that they were going to save that money and, and roll it over for the future. And that's why you saw the one year deals for Taz, Alfred and Portis and so on. They just didn't play that margin game trying to get Iguodala. They should have tried to get Iguodala. They should have tried to get Harkless from earlier last year in a salary dump. They didn't do that. And so, you know, Brock Aller and Leon Rose are are picking it up where they left off. So I'm still confident in what they're doing. And now you're seeing a push towards player development and, and really elaborating on that. They just brought in Aaron Brooks. Um, they brought in a couple more coaches that that are going to be separate 
from the guys that are sitting on the bench. So it seems like they're making uh, uh, a conscious investment now on that side of the table. And so I like what I see so far, you know, from, from, from the outside looking in, it, it looks pretty decent. Let's just see how it plays out in the long term. Yo, CP, can I tell you how happy I was when I read Nick's hire Aaron Brooks instead of it saying like Nick signed Aaron, Aaron Brooks? Right. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I was yeah. terrified. Yo. I was like, thank God this says hire. Like yeah. we are onto, we're onto the new regime and like you're totally right, man. We are onto the new regime. Leon Rose seems like he's addicted to draft picks, which you know, like that's a good sign. Right, and the the other good sign is he's not he is willing to take Gordon Hayward for a value price, you know what I mean, and he's not willing to sign him to a to a burnt like a, a way to burn the cap. He's not addicted to burning the cap, which has like been what we are so used to. Like we're almost we're we're almost like in like some sort of like PTSD moment where that's why like the first person with a bad contract Knicks fans are like yeah yeah we'll take him because like we're just so used to like yeah. like having bad contracts like burning cap space so I, I agree man we do have a new regime um, and I am excited about these like the Walt Perrins and, and the World Wide West and like the Kentucky CAA like all that stuff going on but like I know I know it's been getting to Alex's head a lot uh, because people have been, you know, you know, you know, ragging on the Knicks every time we make a signing or we do a, you know, we do a draft pick. So, do you think that um, the the Kentucky CAA stuff will be a disadvantage to us in any way? Because obviously we see the advantages, right? Like, yeah, we're boys with them; they're gonna want to come here because it's like, you know, the clubhouse. Like, if we we see all that. But do you mm-hmm. do you see a point where like it almost becomes like nepotism or you know, and, and sort of not for the betterment of the Knicks organization or W's. That's lose. all we care about is W's. Yeah, only when you lose. Uh, with a losing team, we, we pick at those type of scabs. But uh, when teams win, even when it's there, you know, the nepotism and cronyism, that's just business. You know, that's the, that's just the American way. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, as, as you know, let's just keep it real. You know, that's just how it goes, man. And so... Uh, as long as you, you want to make sure that they're doing things that make basketball sense and not just bringing in their guys just to bring in their guys or to, you know, pad some agent's pockets or to, you know, help some agent now that they can, they can turn around and help you down the road. Yeah. All that is good, but you got to make sure that you're bringing in the right guys that can help you, you know, build a basketball team. So, um, with Kenny Payne, yes, he's a CAA guy. Yes. He's a Kentucky guy, but if you name every single one of those Kentucky prospects, they, they praise them to the high heavens, you know, so I'll, I'll take their word for it. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm good with Mike Woodson. I know what Mike Woodson brought here. So his connection to the group is not an issue with me. You know what I mean? So I think it, it, it don't, it's only an issue when you're losing, but when you're winning, those things go, go away, you know, quite easily. For sure. I can agree with that. And my thing with like the CAA that John's referencing is that, Draft night, we take Obi Toppin. We know that uh, Leon Rose's son is representing Obi Toppin. Mm-hmm. We also know that. So that also means that he's represented by CAA. And my my thought was, okay, they're probably really comfortable with him because they have the best intel on him. Right. Also, on top of that, like, he was raised a top five player, and the top five player fell to eight. Like, what's to be upset about? College and, basketball player of the year fell into your lap at eight. You know? Yeah. You got to take it. 
What else do you I want? Literally, uh, yeah. what else do you want? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't see why people are upset. It, I think, uh, I think it may have just been such an extended offseason that people started doing even more draft research than <laughs> yeah. they're actually normal. They're <laughs> normal to doing because I, I know I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you just start to fall in love with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. Like I was, I, you know, I'm a Cairo Lewis guy. We didn't get him, but doesn't mean I'm not happy that we got Obi Toppin. Uh, so that right. that's what I got to say with uh, the CAA and the Kentucky stuff. And with Kentucky, like, they develop a lot of, like, pro-ready players. So yep. that's not a bad thing. <laughs> that's not, not a bad not thing. Not a bad thing at all. Not a bad thing. So I think we're all on the same page with liking how the offseason and the draft went. So I know Vegas has a setup for uh, 22 and a half wins for this season. CP, are we getting – are we going over or are we going under? I'm going, I'll go a little over, I'll go 26. That's what I said on my show yesterday. I'll go 26. They won 17 two years ago. They won 21 in 65 games or 66 games last year. Um, Mm -hmm. If they finish the season, another 16 games, maybe they go eight and eight. You know, mm-hmm. so that's 29. Generous. At best. Yeah, I'm being generous. <laughs> yeah, I'm being generous. But now, you know, you're going in with, um, I think, a less talented team. Uh, where does Randall go? How do they fit? How do they come together in a short time frame? How do they adjust to Tibbs' system? You know, what type of schemes is he going to push out there? I think it's just, there's so, so many moving parts. I just can't see realistically them coming together that fast. So. I'm going to go 26 in a, in a painful year, but in a good year to be in the basement of the league. Okay. Yeah. 26 would be fan. 26 would be fantastic. Like we're 22 and a half is just a half game more than the worst team, which is the Cavs sitting at 22. Yeah. So if if we're getting 26, that is way exceeding expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, I honestly see us as right about like 23, 24 wins. So a little bit over as well. Um, but the whole point of of this is to like to quell the expectations, right? Mm-hmm. Just like this is what we're dealing with, this is what we're gonna go in with, and like don't try to light the whole place on fire, you know, when we're two and nine, <laughs> because because that that's gonna happen. And 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 if we if we have the expectations now where it's not like we're tanking, like we're learning and we're getting better, and as long as we're developing game by game, um, then it's okay because. Hey man, like when this pod comes out, it's 10, 10 days away. Like the preseason is 10 games away and we haven't played a basketball game since March. And like these guys just met each other yesterday. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like like I, I, I to be honest with you, I think the under is the right play. <laughs> if, if, if we're being yeah. honest, like <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. I just like I, I if I don't I know it's another extended year in the playoffs. I don't see us going there, but I'm I'm gonna take the uh, realistic approach from now. I'm still gonna live and die by every game, every quarter. Like the third quarter is just still gonna make me miserable as usual. Like nothing is gonna stop that, <laughs> <laughs> right? We're gonna no, get the fake Knicks. Yeah, we're gonna comeback. The fake Knicks comebacks. They're gonna be they're gonna be ready to go. I'm gonna be hyped. But RJ's still gonna go five for nineteen, and like we're still gonna have tough days where he has like a nine turnovers, and I'm gonna wanna you know harm everyone in my sight. Like you know, from the garden back to my house. So like, it's just the way it's just the way it's gonna be. So that's a, that's my outtake on it uh, on the season this year because it's coming up right around the corner. Uh, Alex, what do you got, man? I got twenty four wins. Uh, I see them going a little bit over. I, I see Tibbs probably squeezing out another two games out of them over the 
to go over. And I think his coaching is going to help because he's going to organize them in a certain way. But actually, as CP always says on his show, it's a talent-driven league. So we don't have all the talent right now. So it's only going to go so far. And I think the coaching will take us just a little bit further because Tibbs will get the guys in the right position to succeed at the right time. But I don't see this team being, uh, you know, world beaters. I don't see us even, you know, if we signed one of those guys, like a Hayward or or Westbrook, then we would have a shot at like a playing game too, because we still got the plan where you could be the tenth or ninth seed too. Um, who knows? Maybe the Knicks surprise us and do something along those lines, but I'm not expecting it. I'm expecting more of a a low end season for this team. But I think that's enough for the the Knicks sec- the Knicks segment of this podcast. So we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back for the et cetera portion. All right, everyone, and we're back from listening to John talk about Anchor, the wonderful platform that we use for this podcast. So, John, what do we got for Etcetera today? What's up, Alex? Uh, for Etcetera today, since we got CP on here, and I don't know about you, but for me, this offseason has been mostly just hanging out on Knicks Fan TV and like checking out those interviews, man. The like we have, we have the national guys like Alan On who really hold it down for the Knicks fans mm-hmm. um, on like the national stage. You know, we got Ian Begley too, like he's holding it down. But then we got CP and he really holds it down for like the fans um, with a my favorite special guest, Alex, the Tratocaster, when he shows up there. <laughs> 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 but um, but um, yeah, like I I I I've been thoroughly enjoying your interviews, whether that's like the controversy that comes up. Uh, from interviews, right, with a little Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing stuff going on. But my personal favorite um, was Derek Harper, man. The Derek Harper interview when he's talking about the 94 Knicks and his trade, like, from Dallas here and how he's, like, putting in perspective on my main man, my favorite player, John Starks, and, like, the Game 6 versus Game 7. All that stuff was so cool. Um, so I just want to ask you, like, how that interview was and otherwise, like, uh, if you could just, like, talk about how, you know, all those off-season interviews, you know, went and what you thought about them and what kind of stuck out uh, to you? Yeah, well, it was it was um, so crazy, man, because it was like the pandemic had just hit. The season had come to like an abrupt halt. So kind of like the content that we were planning, which is primarily around post-game shows, everything had kind of just stopped. And we were kind of just like, oh, shit, what are we going to do? And, um, and then, yeah, you know the player interviews just started like fall into our lap. You know, we would just reach out to these guys and and they would be willing uh, to come on and, and share their stories. And at one point, you know, the Oakley interview, the Xavier McDaniel interview, you know, those were used as kind of micro content for the major outlets, you know, SNY covered it, CBS news covered it. Uh, I, I know like NBC Portland had covered some clips from the Rasheed Wiles interview. So for a time when there was no sports, no hoops, you know, yeah. kind of coming to our content to kind of uh, pull stories from. So that was kind of cool to see that, uh, to see, you, you know, your work being out there. Um, the Harper interview w- was great man, because it was like, as much as it hurt to kind of relive, the stories, I think it put another element, it brought another element of closure to the situation yes. from somebody <laughs> else's perspective. Yes, I, I, I feel that. Yeah, there's yeah. also like a human element. Like, dude, yes. like him sitting, him talking about him sitting on the bench at the end of the game yeah. is me. Like that, that is me, yo. Like just like sitting there like, yo, I can't yeah. believe like, ah, oh, yeah. like. It, it was crazy, man. And, and like I told you before we recorded, you know, I waited a year. Uh, to connect with him on it. it. It was well worth it. 
And, you know, like I said, you, you, you see other interviews on nine, four, you read books about it, so on and so forth. But a lot of it is from the perspective of Starks in his biography or like Pat Riley on like other interviews and stuff like that. But to hear it from Harper, a guy who could have been the MVP of the finals, if they would have won it, you know, the floor general kind of telling his account of it from a guy who joined the team mid year, mm-hmm. you know, having to, to come from a, a basement dweller with the Mavs and kind of, step his game up to the expectations championship caliber expectations uh the storytelling was was fantastic man definitely a memorable uh interview for me for sure yeah, that it's so crazy right because we never like we we always talk about how the knicks haven't had a point guard since forever and we always kind of skip over d harp and like yeah. he he brings that to light right he's just like yo i'm skipped over and that's like my one regret just because they didn't win game seven yeah, and like yeah. you're so right because of like D Harp won Game Seven, it would always be oh Knicks haven't had a point guard since Derek Harper. Yeah, like you right, know what I'm saying? That's, right. that's what it would the always MVP. be from now on. Yeah, finals, man. <laughs> yeah, and everybody yeah. would be walking around with Derek Harper jerseys. Like that would yeah. be like the the cool old school jersey. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it it, uh, it was an incredible one. Um, Channing Fry of recent, I thought his was very, very telling and, and, and insightful and pretty humorous as well. I don't think a lot of people got caught off guard because they haven't really seen, you know, that side of him or a lot mm-hmm. of his interviews. So I think his interview was, was quite eye opening. Um, Xavier McDaniel, uh, our highest viewed interview um, from the main content to the micro content, um, because everybody wanted to know why did he leave? You know, why did X-Men leave? And they they wanted to know those stories with the with the um, the war with the Bulls. They took him to seven, and you know people still think if they kept X Man, they would have won the whole thing. So I think X Man was a great one. Rasheed Wallace, uh, another guy who doesn't do too many interviews. So I think the fact that you know he gave us the interview and he came on and he was so candid with us, stayed for an hour, you know, spoke to us like we were his friends. Um, I feel like kind of we earned his trust there and that kind of meant a lot because like I said, he, he doesn't really, you know, his relationship with media is always, has always been kind of, t- uh, you know, tense, yeah. but uh, again, for us to get it and, and for him to kind of trust us, it, that was kind of, uh, that was a meaningful one for me as well, for sure. Yo, Sheed was huge, bro. Sheed was so huge. I, oh man, like yeah. I love Sheed, like especially when it like, of course on uh, Portland New School, but once he got to Detroit, I love that Detroit team. Yeah, me but too. Yeah. For some reason, he feels like, like, I don't know about you guys, but he feels like a Nick. Like, I, even though he had that one year and it was such yeah. a crazy, weird year and he really didn't, like, do much. Like, him pulling up in his air, in his high top Air Force Ones and just, like, <laughs> pulling up threes from, you know, from 34th and 8th. Like, yep. that's what it was, right? He's just, like, showing up to 34th. He's like, oh, I got a ball game 34th and 8th tonight. Yeah, he got Air Force Ones on. And, like, you know, like, Woodson is a coach. Like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm just coming out. So, I, I love that, like, crazy bond that we have with Sheed because, like, yeah. we always loved him as a player, but he's just feels like our guy now for like mm-hmm, a weird mm-hmm. connection 100 percent, 100 percent. and he even said you know uh, on the on the interview that um there was a time isaiah was close to getting him from the hawks there was a time when he went from portland to the hawks for like two days mm-hmm. and then all the uh, ultimately got to to the pistons isaiah was trying to get involved at t- that time heavily trying to get him uh but they just didn't have the pieces to to facilitate a straight up trade so he never got him but she wanted to. He wanted to come to the Knicks, uh, but it, but he never got that opportunity. Uh, but ultimately, he came on for Knicks State for a couple of games, so still got to wear the jersey at the end of the day. Love that Sheet interview. Loved watching Sheet on the team. Ball don't lie is something that we'll 
keep screaming till this day. Yeah, if facts. you're at the park, you're at the gym, shooting by yourself, don't matter playing 2K, ball don't lie. Facts, love, I, I love that interview, man. Love mm-hmm. that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, Another one that you did was uh, the Jamal Crawford interview. I, yep. you know, Jay crossover is one that, you know, especially during that time period where we had Nate Robinson, uh, we had David Lee, all those guys. Jamal Crawford, I would, that team was so hard to watch, but I'll gladly turn on the team to watch Jamal Crawford cross up some guys and just score some buckets. Um, I thought that interview was great. What would you, what, can you give us a little bit more, uh, like, I guess, uh, insight onto the Jamal Crawford interview? Um, another one of my favorites, you know, favorite player on the team, especially during that era, for sure. You know, the fact that uh, he, he gave me the interview from the bubble, you know, just a, just a week or so into the bubble when everything is, is was collapsing, it seemed like, you know, around him. Um, so just another stand up, humble guy in JC, you know, dished on some of those years, the Isaiah years and why things didn't really work out. Uh, also touched on his 50 point game against the Heat. And so it was great. It was great just talking to JC, man. Like I said, one of my favorite Knicks of all time uh, and just a humble and, and, and stand-up guy for sure. For sure. And to talk about the most recent one, because I thought the Larry Brown discussion from Channing Fry was the most interesting part of that because it really showed you like how, I guess, toxic it was with that team. And I found it very interesting that he would just play guys whatever home state they go to. Uh, <laughs> that's... That that was the most interesting aspect of that interview. Um, I also I also want to say that he looked a little sauce too, man. I, he looked a little happy yeah, off his wine. He was definitely nice. Well, you know, he he's got his wine company, so yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that wine could get you could get you in a good mood. So it was good. The, the stories came out flowing, just like the wine was. So I, you know, I didn't mind it too much. But yeah, you, you could definitely tell he was he was he was nice. He was, he was all into it. I loved it, man. I loved everything yeah. about it. Oh, you need to be in a good mood to talk about the Knicks, man. Hey, especially if you have, if you have to play on that team, like, come yeah. on, dude. You got to yeah. now you got to sit there and relive it. Like, it's yeah. tough. Definitely, man. But yeah, like the, the Larry Brown story was just crazy. Um, hearing it now, as much as it was then, because it was just like that. That was in in your wildest dreams. You never thought that it would end that way. Uh, after the resume that he had, you know, compiled and coming here and bringing that cachet with him. You mm-hmm. never figure that it would end in being one of the worst Nick teams in history. One year later, he's gone and damn near try to sabotage the team in between. It was just a, a bizarre year. Yeah. It's so, it's so crazy, too, because, like, for us, like, the 94 and, like, the 99 Knicks are, are what created us, right? But, like, what really made us, like, the way we are, like, the grimy Knicks fans, you know, grit that we are is, like, the Stefan Marbury era, the Crawford era, the Channing Fry, like, all, all that stuff. Like, Lenny Wilkins, like, <laughs> you know, like, once you, like, Marty Collins, like, once yeah, you've been yeah. through that, like... Mike Sweetney, like once you've been through that grind, like then you could kind of understand like what's what's happening here and yeah. why we could like look at Derek Harper and just be like, yo, man, like I just wish like you could have been like our yeah. guy. We could have just like hung everything on you, man. <laughs> like it's You're just so interesting. You're recapture that, that feeling, you know, as fans. And so we go through that whole 20 year span of just absolute nonsense and losing and dysfunction, still trying to recapture the magic. We just haven't haven't gotten there, man. Just haven't gotten there. No, but you know, I guess this is why I gotta say thank you to all these wonderful interviews you've done, man, because you brought out 
these players get to talk like freely when you have them on and they bring a perspective that we wouldn't know like thanks to you like Charles Oakley, like as much as that interview was crazy, and yeah. you know, I felt it for you and JL. It's like I was like, yeah, it was, off, it was like it was like almost off the rails, and like come right back, and then it was like come right back on. <laughs> like I thought, I thought no, Oak was about to come through the phone and like come get you, bro. I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, but I think you know. Again, I don't know for sure, but. I, this is the first time I'm saying this and I didn't tell anybody this. Okay. He was at a golf tournament all day that day. Oh, so I, I think, you know, again, not to, not to put anything on. I thought he was sauced. Yeah. You got, okay. In order to, in order to talk about the Knicks, man, in order to talk about the Knicks as a recurring he, theme he here, because I, I spoke to him, I spoke to him the night before everything was straight and, but that's how okay is. And, and I had warned JLs. I told him before the interview started, I was like, listen, because we had like our outline of questions and everything. I was like, listen, be prepared to go off script because Oak is definitely going off script. And yeah, yeah you know, it, it, it happened that way. But I, like I said, I was kind of expecting a contentious vibe. I, I said on Twitter, we try to give him his flowers and turn into a 12 round brawl. So, oh, <laughs> but, but that's, but that's I, what it's all about. That's what yeah, it's all about, and, man. And, and as Alex said, you know, I think that what, I like about what we do from an independent standpoint is that it's not, you know, corporate and PC like a, like an MSG covered interview would be. These guys can come on, they can curse, they can say whatever they want and, you know, and, and speak their truth. And so I think that's what the fans value. That's what I like the most about it. And um, yeah, it's, it's been working out very well. Yeah, for sure. It definitely has been. Even when it came down to Felton talking about Woodson, it kind of, because I think for Woodson, he, there's a there's an aura with him too. Like even though we were so successful under him, I think people were also like ready to like ship off of him. But having yeah. that interview prior to him getting hired, I think a lot of people were happy to have him back, knowing that wow, he really had these guys all bonding and moving together, and really had yeah. these guys overachieving. You know, mm -hmm, we won the mm -hmm. division that year with him. So mm -hmm. I think like you guys, have been, you have been doing great work, man. And like even with Appreciate Jay Ellis on the team, been doing great work, man. Keep. Keep up the great work. It's been phenomenal, man. Appreciate Please it. keep putting out yeah, that great content. Appreciate it, fellas. But let's not bury the lead, right? Your your favorite <laughs> guest is Alex Alex Terrace, right? Yeah, of course, of course, man. Stratocaster <laughs> you know, comes okay. through with the analysis. Yeah, uh, okay. good. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm just double checking because that's, that's what I thought too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, too kind. But, yeah, I appreciate on it. To, <laughs> on to um, the rest of the NBA, man, because... As you, as we just talked about, like if the Knicks, if we're talking about over under for twenty two and a half, and we're struggling on it, like that's a lot of tough basketball, and if yeah. we we love basketball, right? That's why we're here. So with NBA league pass around the corner, let's talk a little bit about East and West, and like just teams that intrigue you, but specifically, like who who are you excited to watch in NBA league pass this year? And let's start with who, what teams do you think are are, are going to be a little underrated? Oh, underrated. Hmm. Well, I can't put the Hawks in that category because I feel like they made some moves to really, you know. Put yeah, they're out now. Their name. Yeah, I yeah they're, they're out really now. I don't know if there'll be any defense there, but they're yeah. out on the on the underdog talk. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, I look at Phoenix in the West with CP3. I'm not sure if I can call them underdogs, but I love what they did. You know, I, I love what they did in the acquisition of CP3 to kind of help them take that next step. Um, the Jalen Smith thing in the draft was kind of puzzling. I thought they they could have went wing defense there to add to to their depth, but um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what type of you know element he brings to that team. 
But uh, I like what Phoenix did. I like what the Hawks did in, in getting Gallinari, Bogdanovich, Rondo. They, they really put the vets around Trey Young now. And it's going to be interesting to see how um, they take that next step because now Trey can just go out there and be himself. You know, they can run a, a bigger lineup with Bogdanovich and Gallo at the two and the three. They can run smaller lineups with Rondo, Trey, Bogdanovich, Gallo. You have Okongu now, the rookie. So I, th- I think the Hawks did a lot of power moves. Um, how do the Pelicans take the next next step? You know, they were a team that was on the fringe in the bubble. Zion with the, with the you know, shape issues. I hope they get that fixed. But I'm curious to see how Zion and Kira Lewis go out there as a backcourt tandem and grow with a Brandon Ingram out there. So New Orleans, I think, is going to be an exciting team. Um, I look at, you know, what happens now with, with Miami, you know, is Miami going to continue um, their hot streak from the bubble? What will Milwaukee do? You know, they didn't get Bogdanovich, which, which I thought was a huge blow for them. Uh, they still got Drew Holiday. They have Middleton. They have the freak. What are they going to do to try to make some noise? Um, I thought losing Bogdanovich was, was, was really big for them. Uh, but I think Memphis, you know, Memphis, after missing out on the playoffs in the bubble, are they going to have something to say? That's a real dog right there. Yeah, Memphis, yeah, Memphis, Memphis is a real dog. dog. Yeah, I think Memphis is a real dog. I love what Portland did and uh, beefing up their front court. They went out and got Covington. Um, they brought Melo back. They did some good things in the draft. I thought Portland did did uh, made some moves to kind of keep it interesting. But I, it, it all goes through L.A., man, at the end of the day. You know, the Lakers, I think I, I mentioned it with Alex a number of times. Lakers always get that guy. Um, they whenever they want it, they went out and got Schroeder. They got the six man of the league, and <laughs> they're the vet minimum. You know, like, literally, come on, who, who could do that but the Lakers? You Dude, know what that I mean? that's the one that bothers me the most because they got not only Montrez Harold, the six man award winner, they also got his runner up in uh <laughs> Schroeder. And I was like, they got both of them. Uh, like, yeah. how, how, how do you even do that? Now that's just not even fair. Yeah, they got Marcus Saul. So you figure LeBron doesn't have to come back to like March. They'll probably be in the sixth seed. <laughs> He'll get them back up to fourth. Doesn't matter where they finish. Where they finish, as long Not as he's healthy for the playoffs, and they'll be ready to go. Ready to yep. go. Yep. Jealous, uh, man. We're jealous. Yeah, man. I, I wish, but I, with the Hawks, I like. I have to pump the brakes on the Hawks because we've been doing this for the past. Like I know last year we were like really revving them up. It's like, oh, they're going to be a playoff team this <laughs> yeah, year, yeah. and then it's like, wow, they are actually really bad at defense, and it's yeah. like. Did we not look at the roster? Because it's not that different from what they had last year. They just, you know, not really, got not worse really on much defense. has changed. Yeah, they got worse. Yeah. Um, and I just, I want to like pump the brakes a little bit on the Hawks because I need to see, it feels like there's a lot of like issues with that team because I feel like they're doing a lot of win now moves for Trey Young. So I don't yeah. know if how happy Trey is there uh, and if this is all just like trying to get something going within the next two years before if he's ready to bounce or they're going to have yeah. to pay him, obviously, if they want to keep him. But I, I'm very intrigued to see how Atlanta does. Yeah. Um, that's one team. I, but Memphis, I have to agree with you. That That's the that's the true Memphis, dog. Yeah. They got, they got uh, who's it? They got Desmond Bain on that team, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to fit that culture really well. Um, mm-hmm. This could be very interesting this season. Yeah, very, Bain, very interesting. they have Clark. They have, um, who's the other guy from Oregon that they had? Uh, oh, what's his name? He, he was running the two. Um uh, what's, what's oh, uh, I know who you're talking about too. 
Dylan Brooks. Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, Dylan, yeah. Yeah, you may want to edit that at the pod, that long delay. Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I like what they did. Um, I hope they make the playoffs this year. They caught a raw deal with that playing stuff at the bubble. I, I think they deserve to make it. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to see Ja take, turn it up a notch uh, the next year. So it's going to be interesting to see. With the Hawks, you know, I think it's, it's a risky gamble. But I think it's one that they, they should take. It's a gamble that they should take. They're a small market team. Here they have a Trey Young who I think it, it's it's now or never to make a quote-unquote win-now move. What does it translate to in the East? It's going to be still tough sledding, right? But if you figure between now and the end of his contract, what could they realistically have done if it just was draft, you know, mm-hmm. or someone? They would still be the Hawks. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think yeah. I think they had to get these kind of mid-tier free agents and see if they can make a push. I like the Rondo pickup. I think that's going to be underrated. Yeah. And like you said, defensively, they, they're going to still be lacking. Um, but I like that, you know, they, they beefed up the firepower. Let's see. Maybe they're going to try to outscore some people. So let's see how it works. <laughs> yeah. I like, like Portland in there too, man. The, the, yeah. the Portland pick was nice there too, especially with Nurkic. A healthy Nurkic is a different Portland. Yes. You know what I mean? And 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 now they had that half year like kind of throwaway plus the bubble ramp up mm-hmm. where they played really well. I don't know. Yeah. I I think Melo is on a win now team. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put it that way. I think Melo is on a win now team, and I think Portland can bring them there. For sure. Yeah. You know, Melo's my guy. Dame is my favorite player outside of the Knicks, uh, as well as mm-hmm. Melo. Um, so that's kind of like my Western Conference team. So I'm I'm always supporting them. Is Dame your favorite because the Nets didn't have the opportunity to draft him? <laughs> <laughs> that too, man. That too. But yeah, I just think Dame, you know, he I don't think he gets uh the credit enough for being arguably the best point guard in, in the league, you know, or top two. I think Dame is right there. I think he's right there with, with Steph. Um, you know, obviously doesn't have the firepower that he has, but his arsenal is is um equally as vicious. In, in game scenarios, I think Dave definitely should be respected in, in that regard. For sure, for sure. John, is there anything else you want to add, add to this uh, pod? Or yeah, well, I, I want to add the Denver Nuggets, man. I can't, I can't believe we haven't talked about Denver because Denver and Portland are my top two league pass and underrated teams. They added Jeremy Grant. They added oh, our boy Noah Vonley. Jer- Jer- Jeremy Grant. Yeah, Detroit Aaron. Oh, oh, Detroit, Detroit. Okay, yeah. So they no, uh, Denver got uh, R.J. Hampton, right? Yeah. Yes. So they're they're like the they're like the uh, they're like the antithesis, like the Knicks in like a, a different universe, right? Where we got Michael Porter Jr. and they got R.J. Hampton. So like th- that for me, like I'm I'm intrigued by that duo. Plus, I, you talk about Dame Lillard's your favorite guy. I love Dame Lillard. My favorite player. No doubt is the Joker, man. I love that guy. I love to see him play. Like, he's just, he just looks like he just, like, Rasheed Wallace looks like he just shows up the 34th and 8th to play ball. <laughs> like, Joker's like, he's just like, ready, he like, someone, go. yeah, someone randomly gave him, like, a shirt. He's like, oh, this looks good. Like, he got some sneakers, and then he goes out and, and gets, like, triple doubles and, like, dunks on people. So, yeah. I, I, I love Denver. Um, I love I love I want to see what they're doing with their young guys and I'm really excited to watch Portland for the overrated teams. Oh man, I I I mean, are we are we putting Houston in there or or, yeah, or do or do I they mean, not count? I think so. Well, we'll see. I mean, they added Christian Wood. They got another year hard in Westbrook. Um Ty Lue's the coach of Houston, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Clippers. Ty Lue. No, oh, Clippers. Ty Lue's the Clippers. Um, Houston's coach is... Um, the dude from the Mavericks, right? Um, is it? It's it. What's his name? It's not Bakerstaff. It is... Um, Either way, my, my point is, how, how do they, you know, come together under under his scheme? Steven Silas. Steven Silas. I, I said Bickerstaff, son of a coach. Yeah. Steven Silas. <laughs> you know, how, how do they come together under him? Different than um, D'Antoni. Daryl Morey's not there. So what type of scheme are they going to employ to get the best out of Westbrook and Harden? You have Christian Wood there. Um, I would put Boston. You know, is, is Boston uh, going to continue to make noise? Or do they fall by the wayside? You know, what does Kemba do another year with that team? You know, boss. I think boss is going to be interesting to see. Are we on? Are we on cat watch? Are we officially on? Because we are the Kentucky CAA Knicks, right? So <laughs> if we're gonna if we're gonna wrap if we're gonna wrap this up, like this is what we're really talking about, huh? The Aaron Fox is off. The Aaron yeah. Fox is off the map. So like <laughs> we're, we're trying to scout here, right? So we talked about Phoenix a little bit, but like, are, are we on cat watch and the Booker watch from now on? I, I think it's gonna be a while before those watches are, are legit. You know, you got you're probably gonna have to wait until these guys are in a contract year because um, other than that, you're gonna get into a bidding war. And I think Phoenix did the right thing with that CP3 gamble, mm-hmm. trying to make Book happy, continue to make that team competitive, and we'll see where where it ends up. I think him and CP3 are gonna do damage in in the backcourt for sure. Um, with the Timberwolves, you know, they're building with Cat. Uh, Edwards, Ooh. Russell. So let's see. I think they're going to be a, a team that's going to have to be like the Hawks, where they're going to have to get some vets in between that can really help them turn the corner, unless Anthony Edwards, you know, turns into a star. So I think, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's legit to uh, you know keep these guys in mind, but not probably not for another like two three years. I would say if there's ever a Timberwolves. Versus Hawks game, always bet the over. There is not going to be any defense <laughs> no happening defense. in that game. And, <laughs> and every Hawks it. game, every Hawks game, <laughs> absolutely no defense. And Detroit, throw Detroit in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I honestly don't see the Timberwolves making that big of an impact this year, even with D'Lo, Cat. I know they got uh, their guy that that we wanted, um, Malik uh, Beasley. Malik Beasley, thank you. Uh, I just don't see it, man. I just don't see that team because I think. We would have seen that leadership from Cat at this point. And I think D'Lo, you know, they both play offense very well, but their biggest gripe is not playing defense. And yeah. as much as this league is driven around offense and getting up buckets, you got to play some sort of defense. And if those are your two focal points, and Anthony Edwards, who you now just throw to the mix, who's another question of his was like his focus on defense. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a recipe for, for disaster. So. I'm not looking too forward to watching the the Timberwolves. I think the Rockets, I agree as well, are, is another team that's ready to to be done. We'll see if Harden gets yeah. moved. Obviously, Westbrook has to be moved first, so that way they can uh, sell Westbrook at a better price than they would if they sold uh, Harden first. But I think another team that we got to look out for is the Clippers. Man, I don't know how the Clippers going to do in uh, yeah. with all this. That's uh, that's a team I'd I'd like to put on the watch because we saw how much you know. Montrez said they didn't want him. Uh, they gave Mook the bag. I definitely you, gave Mook the bag. Didn't address <laughs> yeah. the point guard situation, did they? I don't. No, they, they didn't. Uh, yeah, didn't address the point guard situation, which was definitely a position of need. Um, so, kind of be interesting to see how the how the Clippers come together again in this this next year. For sure, and I think Boston as well, especially if Danny Ainge, especially if uh, Kemba got caught caught wind. I don't know how you can. I don't know how much. 
guys can really trust a team when you're about to be when you're on the block without even knowing. So yeah. that's that's going to be interesting for the Celtics. All right, when when we talk about the Pelicans, though, can we get Lonzo in here? Can we get Lonzo to the Knicks? That would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, place. well, you, ne- you never know. You got to see what uh, what you know the, the Pelicans' motivation is going to be with all the guards that they have. They have Bledsoe, they have George Hill. Um, could Lonzo shake loose? You, you never know. But but David Griffin, you know, he he's not a pushover, so he's always going to try to you know one up um, the Knicks on on a deal. So uh, again, going to have to see what their situation looks like going forward. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good on this pod, CP. Thank you so much for coming on. And I, I just uh, on a on an ending note, I want you to make Alex's day and and tell him how you feel about the other team out in New York. Cause he, well, once you even bring up their name or their colors or anything about them, Alex starts having panic attacks. He starts freaking out. He's like, so h- help me I out really here. Hate that team. Yeah. <laughs> Give Alex, give Alex some uh, realistic expectations for that other team uh, in New York. Oof. Oh, man. I mean, you know, I don't. that's one team I don't want to watch their games because of how scary good that they could be, man. If, if you're talking about, you know, uh, Katie back, and they say Katie's back to 100. You have Kyrie coming back. You have LaVert taking the next step. They just brought back Joe Harris. They have Dinwiddie. Um, so they're going to be scary, bro, just, just to keep it a buck. That's going to be a scary team. And and so again, gonna be interesting to see how they mesh in, in that east and how they make some noise. But uh, you know, reality is we're just on two different trajectories, and and the Nets are on a win now track. We'll see how it works out for them. I think they'll probably go through it with this team, and then you know, I don't see them necessarily blowing it all up for Harden. I think that would be counterproductive. But I think I think they have a good amount of uh, cachet right now to make a strong push in the East. And that's, that's all, you know, health um, uh, being considered. As long as they stay healthy, I think they, they're really going to make some noise. Unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, man. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be tough. He, so, so the thing is that he does this on purpose to bring up the net. So I could just be bothered by it. This is all, this is all every, every single time he has to bring up this team just to bother yeah. me. I don't, I do not like that team. It's going to be tough to stomach, man, but you know, I hate the Nets too. I hate the Nets too, but like Alex can't even like he can't even like say their full name. So I just ah. I gotta bring them up. But it's good for him that he lives in Boston. He doesn't have to worry about the Yes Network. Yeah, He's all good to true. go. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I think that I think this wraps it up for for this pod. Ending on that note on that team. So CP, before we close out, please let the people who listen to this podcast know where they can find you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, youtube.com slash KnicksFanTV, also KnicksFanTV.com, KnicksFanTV on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or basically everywhere podcast, same way. Uh, so yeah, you can basically find us at, at those uh, on those platforms. Definitely appreciate uh, the conversation, folks. I had a good time. Thank you for coming on, CP. Once again, we appreciate your work. We love your work. Keep doing a great job. And honestly, if you're listening to us and you're not listening to CP, I have to question you because this man's putting out high quality content every single day, week, you name it, especially the post game lives. Gotta check in. But everyone, thank you again for listening to this podcast. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find us at Knicks, Jets, etc. Podcast on all those platforms. And yeah, tune in later this week when we go over our miserable New York Jets. All right? Catch (laughs) y'all later. (laughs) Let's go Knicks.